The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Is your suffering a setback or a setup? Personally, uh, as a pastor, I consider it an incredible privilege but also an incredible challenge to be invited into so many of yours, uh, your deepest pain and your darkest moments, right? That's what we do as pastors is we get invited into so many of the hardest places in your life, the most difficult moments. And it's a privilege because you trust us and you invite us in. Maybe you don't know where to turn in, so you call on a pastor and you've welcomed us in to those really, really hard moments. But it's a, it's a challenge because we're human too, and we don't always know what to say, and often there's nothing to say. And so we carry the weight of what you're feeling away from that moment, and so it's an incredible challenge because sometimes you're asking why, and we don't know why, and there are no easy answers. Sometimes, like you, we're looking to God going, God, what are you doing? God, where are you? But there's a profound truth in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your pain. The presence of pain does not mean the absence of God. I want you to remind yourself of that the next time you're going through a difficult thing. The presence of pain does not mean the absence of God. In fact, it's possible to come to the conclusion in the place in your life where you begin to recognize that pain not only does it mean the absence of God, but that God allows it and he shows up in it. In fact, often God most shows up in our pain, in our places of hurt. I realize that there are people that struggle a lot with the church and Christianity and kind of write it off because they say, well, you guys just say like uh, your thoughts and prayers, you know, and, and that we're offering something of little value. And it's mostly because they don't realize, or maybe you don't realize the power of our thoughts. And when we say we're praying, what those prayers really mean, but I get it because it, it flies in the face of our Western culture and our American dream mindset that life is best and at its best when we're experiencing comfort and pleasure and good times and things are going well. And, and so pain and suffering, they clash with the American dream mindset that I should always be enjoying life. And so when life isn't filled with pleasures and comforts, then something is wrong. So we see pain as the problem. In fact, we're going to jump into a story today about how there's a guy who saw pain as the problem. The story is found in the Bible, but in a historical moment, meaning the, the books of First and Second Kings are historical account of the time in the nation of Israel when they were being ruled by kings. And we're introduced to this, this guy, Elisha, who is a prophet of God. And so we're going through the, the life of Elisha, and I'm going to introduce you to one of those chapters that's found in Second Kings chapter 5. But before I do, let me give you a little context, because this story is really about a guy who's not from Israel. And his, his name is Naaman. Naaman, he's introduced as a great man. He, he's, he's powerful. He's got power and position and prosperity and what else, right? So he's a really important guy. 
and it's like he's got everything. But he's, he's not just a great man. Uh, he's also leads armies to raid other countries. And when they raid those countries, they pillage, they murder, right, the enemy, and they enslave the people that survive. And, and so here's the other thing, right? So he's not only a great man in the eyes of his country, Aram, but he's an enemy to the nation of Israel, and he has leprosy. Now, leprosy is not a disease that most of us are very familiar with. So leprosy is a, is a disease that you hear about in ancient times, even in Bible times and in the times of Jesus. So leprosy is a skin disease that eats away the body. And so, you know, uh, parts of the body just fall off. And here's a man who he has this leprosy and it's causing him a problem. And so you could look at his story and say, well, good. He's getting what he deserves. He raids and he pillages and he enslaves. And so he's getting what he deserves. And the interpretation there would be pain is a problem. Pain is punishment. And there was a girl in Naaman's life who could have seen his pain as punishment. He's getting what he deserves. In fact, he, this, this was a slave girl. Naaman and the army had gone and raided her village, killed her parents, and took her as a slave. Now, if you're in that spot, you're going, good. He's getting what he deserves, but she doesn't. In fact, she sees her place in his home as an opportunity. She's got nothing to offer except the one thing that he needs most, healing and being introduced to God. And so we're going to jump into the story. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're starting verse 3. She, this slave girl, said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So here's a girl who has nothing, right? Everything she has has been taken from her. She, she's lost her homeland. There's nowhere to return home to. It's been destroyed. Her family's been killed. She's got nothing. She's a slave in an enemy home. And because she has nothing, it'd be easier for her to feel like nothing and that she has nothing to offer. But she has thoughts and prayers. She has the one thing that Naaman needs, which is she has the answer to his problem. She goes, I know someone who can help you. I can introduce you to the one who can heal you. See, he's got everything. He's got power and position and prosperity, and he's got a parade. And so as we jump into this story, Naaman does just that. He's willing to go to Israel to find this man of God who could heal him of his leprosy. And so he goes. And so as, as the story continues, it says, and Elisha sent a messenger uh, to the man. Okay, so let me give you a little context. So he shows up, and he shows up with a parade. And he shows up with an expectation that when he gets there, he's a great man, and he'll get greeted with great honor. But instead of gre being greeted with great honor, a servant of the prophet shows up with a simple message to go tell him to go wash in the Jordan River. So this is where the story continues. And Elijah sent a messenger to him to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away 
angry. He became furious and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abna and Fapar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. It's very interesting. So here's a man who's got everything except the one thing that he needs most, which is nothing. He comes to Israel and he comes to God with demands and an expectation of how he wants to be healed. He said, when I came, I expected that the prophet would come out to me and he would wave and he would put on this show and then, you know, perform this supernatural act for this supernatural healing. But instead he sends me a, a servant with a simple message to go wash in the Jordan. I mean, the Jordan is not even a great river. And in that area of Israel, Jordan was really, the Jordan River was a small river that worked a little bit like agricultural runoff. And he's thinking, man, I, you could have sent me to wash in some gorgeous river. I mean, if I'm going to be healed, at least have me healed in some beautiful river. And don't we do the same thing? God, I want this from you, but I want it on my terms. God, I want you to do this for me, but I want you to do it my way. And as a result, we want a healing from God, or we want a miracle from God, or we want a message from God, we want direction from God. But we're saying, God, I want this from you, but on my terms. And so here was the challenge. Naaman didn't just have leprosy on his body. He had leprosy in his heart. The leprosy of coming to God with your demands, your expectations. God, I want this my way, right? And what is that? It's pride. Because I'm this, you should do this. And so Naaman has leprosy on his body that really reveals the leprosy in his heart. But this story is not one about the leprosy of pride, but about how God can turn a man uh, infected with the leprosy of pride around. And so this little girl who has nothing offers everything, and a man with everything has to become nothing. It's a story of God's mercy. And misery is the messenger of mercy. In Naaman's life, his misery becomes the messenger of God's mercy. And that's what I want you and I to recognize, that when we come to God with everything, we think we've got life all figured out, sometimes it's the misery that brings us to the point or to the end of ourselves, right? And we think we've got it all figured out. We're, we're like, in this story, we're like Naaman, who's got lepr the leprosy of pride. We, we've got life figured out, and we, we know what we need and what God should do in our life and how life should work out. And, and as a result, we think we have everything, and we need nothing. And we're certainly not willing to come to God with nothing or as nothing. Why? Because we think, we overcalculate our self-worth and we undercalculate our need for God. Most of us undervalue our need for God. And that's a direct result. Our overcalculating our worth is a result of pride. And pride is rooted in a spiritual leprosy called sin. At its core, sin makes us selfish. It separates us from relationship with God because we think more of ourselves than we think of God. 
And this sin curse that brings pride infects every one of us. And as a result, it separates us from God and it sets us off on a life course where like Naaman, we try to fill our life up. We think we're, we have so much, we don't need God. And so we come to God with our demands and our expectations if we ever come to God. And like Naaman, we push away from God because God's not necessarily going to do things our way or, or what we want. And so our life is cursed and worse, has this leprosy of pride eating away at us. Parts of our life falling off and falling away, being devastated and ruined. And the worst part of it is that it leads to a forever ruin. But God, in the story, God doesn't just send a messenger. He sends his mercy. And I'll just give it away really quick. Naaman's going to be healed of his leprosy. But the, the story is about how misery becomes the messenger of mercy. And, and I want you to know that God wants to meet you in the places of your greatest pain. How your suffering is not a setback. It's actually a set up to encounter God. And here's what God did. He stepped into our greatest suffering, which is spiritual. It's sin. And he took on our sickness the leprosy of sin and pride that is eating away every one of our hearts and it's separated us from God. So God came to us. He took on the leprosy of pride. He took on our sin and he died in our place, absorbed our eternal judgment so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven, guilt and shame removed and our hearts made new. How? Because Jesus not only died, he rose from the dead and in his resurrection, he purchased eternal life for us. He purchased new life for us. He purchased forgiveness for us. He purchased the cleansing of our lives and hearts that everything that uh, is in our life that carries shame and guilt and leads to death and forever judgment, God cleanses us. And I, I want to make sure that you don't miss this moment where right now, if you would say yes to Jesus, he wants to meet you. He wants to meet you behind a computer screen or on your phone. However you're joining us online, God wants to meet you right now. And he wants to shower you with his love. He wants to invite you to know him and love him. And so if that's where you're at and you're willing to say yes to Jesus, would you text the name Jesus to 81411? When you send us that text, or you can even go on and you can just type the name Jesus into the comment section. One of, somebody will immediately follow up with you. But if you send that text, um, we're going to send you some resources, some, a link to help you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. But we'll also follow up with you to encourage you as you begin this new life in relationship with God. Now, what happens when you say yes to Jesus? I want to jump back into this story and kind of share with you a little bit more of what's going to happen in Naaman's life as he discovers this journey from thinking he's got it all, he's got everything, to discovering that he's got nothing to offer. So, right, he, he comes out and he says, you know, what I expected was that the man of God would come and wave over the spot and, you know, it'd be like this really cool miracle. Instead, you tell me to go wash in the Jordan River? What is that? And so Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, he says, what are you doing? If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when, when he tells you, wash and be clean? Here's the key. Why is Naaman willing to listen to uh, his servants? I'll tell you why. Because he's listened to a slave girl in his home. You want to know why? Because helplessness invites humility. 
So what he was struggling with was this tension between pride and humility. And what brought him to a place of humility was his helplessness. And some of you, you've worked your whole life, and most of us go our whole life doing our very best to never need help. Some of you, even when you needed help, you refused to ask for it. And that was Naaman. He's refusing to ask. He comes for help, but when help was not offered on his terms, he ran from help, and his servants have to stop and say, what are you doing? If you were told to do something great, wouldn't you have willingly done it? What's the big deal if you just have to go bathe in the Jordan River? And it was like he became, he was confronted by his helplessness. There's nothing you could do about this leprosy. There's nothing you could do if the, if the prophet, the man of God, tells you to go bathe in the Jordan River, right? So it is his helplessness that invites humility. And whatever circumstances you're going through, where you feel helpless, it could be that the place of helplessness is where God wants to meet you as you walk in humility, which means, here's humility. Humility is us coming to God with nothing. I don't earn anything from God. I don't deserve anything from God. I recognize my nothingness. And, and I love this story because God takes a nobody to introduce a somebody to the God who is over everybody. So when the nobody introduces a somebody to God, he re- that somebody recognizes he's really a nobody in need of everything from God. Did you catch all that? A little bit of a tongue twister. The point is, it took, a, it took a girl who's a nobody to introduce Naaman, who thought he's a somebody, to God to recognize that he really has nothing to offer. And when he recognized he had nothing to offer in humility, then he meets God, right? And in meeting God, humility says, I don't just do, I don't just do what God wants when it fits what I want. I do what God wants God's way. It's not enough just to do God, what God wants when it works for you, when it looks the way you want it to look. God, you know, if God had told, you know, uh, Naaman, I want you to go back and I want you to go to those rivers. I want you to bathe in the rivers that you like. Naaman would say, man, that sounds great. Or if he told, you know, Naaman to do some incredible feat of strength where Naaman could show off and his healing would become about him, not about God. But God wants to show up and show off in our life through our helplessness, which brings us to a place of humility, right? So the key is that I have to be willing to be obedient, right? That's the only choice. In a place of helplessness that leads us to humility, you only have two, you only have two choices, obedience or disobedience. Am I willing to do God's will God's way? Which means... It's not enough just to aim at God's destination. To to gain the destination of God, I have to be willing to follow the direction of God. And that was Naaman's struggle. Is he going to follow the directions of God in order to gain the healing that he looks for? So let's again, let's jump down into the story. So what does he do? So he went down and he dipped seven times uh, he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan River, and as the man, just as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that uh, of a young child. And here is the principle, right? Helplessness invites humility, and humility invites healing. 
The greatest healing in this story is not that his body was healed of leprosy, but that his heart was healed of the pride, the leprosy of pride, right? And so what God wants to do is he wants to first heal our hearts, heal the deepest, greatest brokenness in our life, the shame, the guilt, the the self-confidence, the the arrogance that keeps us from ever turning to God. God's going to heal our hearts because if God only healed Naaman's body and he went home arrogant and full of pride, pride would have led him to eternal destruction. But God is more concerned about Naaman's heart than he is his health physically. It's not that God doesn't care about our health. It's that God is going to make our health whole in eternity. And so if I have a broken body physically in this life, but my heart is whole, I have more than enough. And so it's humility that invites healing. And the greatest healing is the healing of our heart, healing of our deepest hurts, the healing of being restored to right relationship with God. And sometimes as God heals our hearts, he then does a miracle in our body to show off his great love. And then sometimes he carries us through those hurts, through those physical sicknesses to show off his comfort and his compassion. Imagine that, that God used the compassion of this little girl, the compassion of a nobody to show that he is everything to us. And so the humility invited healing in Naaman's heart and then his body. When he was willing to do what he was told to do, then he experienced what God promised. And for every one of us, when we are finally willing to humble ourselves, walk in obedience, then and only then will we fully experience the promises of God. And so many of us are missing out on the best of God because we're, we're obstinately doing what we want or we're demanding that God will do his will our way. And so we forfeit the best of God and the best for our life because we're putting our demands in front of God. And God doesn't, he doesn't want to work according to our demands. He's inviting us to allow our helplessness to invite humility and humility that then invites healing. The healing in your heart, healing in your life is on the other side of, of humility. The healing in your home, in your marriage, in your finances is on the other side of humility. Now what happens? Listen to this. Then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God, and he stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. And the prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept anything from you. I want want nothing from you. Why? Because you have nothing to offer. God gives you everything and you have nothing to offer. Does that mean that you shouldn't offer? No, of course. God, you've changed my life, and so I want to give my life to you. But in this moment, it was really important that the prophet was making it clear. There's nothing you can offer God. This gift of healing came free. Costs God everything, but it comes to you. And all you can do is receive it. And he urged him to take it. But the prophet refused. So Naaman said, then if, if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. Give me dirt. For your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Well, what's the story there? What's going on? He goes, look, when I get home, my boss, the, the leader over the armies, is going to make me go into the temple and worship these fake gods. So what I want is 
two, two mule loads of dirt so that every time I go in, I'm going to carry a handful of dirt and I'm going to sprinkle it on the temple so that when I kneel down, like my master makes me do, I'm kneeling on the earth of Israel because I'm going to worship the God of heaven. No matter what he's praying, I don't care who he's talking to because it's totally nonsense and made up. My heart is going to be pointed toward heaven. And here's what I know. Healed hearts carry the message of mercy. The reason why that little girl didn't treat Naaman like an enemy, but with compassion, was because God had healed her hurts and her heart. And as Naaman's heart is healed through God's mercy that then shows through the healing of his body, he begins to carry physically the message of mercy. There is only one true God in heaven. And I want you to know that the places where God wants to heal your hurts, the places where God wants to heal your heart, he wants to take that healing and he wants to use it to share the message of his mercy. Healed hearts carry the message of mercy. You've done your best to avoid being helpless. You've done your best to never need to be healed, but there's always a place in every one of our hearts where we need healing. And that's the very place where God wants to give his mercy. It's undeserved. And when you've received God's mercy and it heals your heart, you share the message of mercy. A little girl who's a slave who shares the mercy of God. Naaman, this great man in Aram, but it's an enemy of Israel and it's, you know, it's a nation that's not serving God. And he goes home as a missionary with the message of mercy. And he's willing to worship God, even in the darkest places, even in the most ungodly places. He's like, even when I'm in a place that turns its back on God, I'm worshiping God. And maybe that's you. First, where does God want to give you a message of mercy? God wants to meet you in your helplessness. He wants to meet you in your hurts. I want to remind you that the presence of pain does not mean the absence of God. In fact, very much the opposite. The place of your pain is the place where God most wants to meet you and give you mercy. So how does God want to give you mercy? But then let me, let me push it just one step further. I don't just want you to think about how God wants to give you mercy. I want, I want you to think about how you can carry the message of mercy. Who are the people in your life that they're hurting? They feel like they've got it all together or they're helpless, and you have this message of mercy that you're gonna, that you wanna challenge them with, that you wanna invite them. Maybe you wanna invite them to join you online with LifeHouse. We would love to have them, and so you can share it. You can invite them. Who do you need to invite to church? Who do you need to bring with you? Who do you need to share this message with? Who can you pray for right now? My hope is that as, as we pause, God will begin to put names on your heart of people that are maybe Naaman's right now. And you're that slave girl. You're in their life for a reason. Things have not always gone easy for you, but God has put you in their life for a reason. And you become the messenger of mercy. Who, who, what names does God want to put on your heart? Who do you need to invite into God's mercy? Who do you need to share the healing that God has given you with who's hurting? Would you take a moment right now and would you pray? Would you allow God to put some people and some names in your heart that you could pray for? But more than pray, you're going to invite and you're going to encourage and you're going to invite them to discover the God of mercy. Would you take a moment right now and would you pray? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting Lifehouse Church. 
www.thepeopleofgod.org.